everyone. Welcome to Amago Season 1, Episode 27, Direction to God's Presence. I'm your host, Vanessa Brown. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. I am here in the Amago Studios in beautiful Hanahan, South Carolina. Have you ever been given or received a mandate from your mom that went something like this? When I get back, this room better be spotless. Well, my children's definition of spotless and my definition of spotless was really never on the same page. So needless to say, there were usually issues whenever I returned. For my children, it resulted in me going through their room with a garbage bag, picking up things and tossing them out. My daughters both claim this is why they have a hard time now as adults throwing things away because I traumatize them when I clean their rooms. Well, fortunately for us, this is not the case with our Heavenly Father. God wants, commands us that we seek Him, but much like our parents, He didn't give us specific directions because we're His children. And from the beginning, all he wanted was us. There was no prescribed way to quote, unquote, be with him. As he was with Adam in the garden, this is the same way we're supposed to be with him. God did anticipate that we would go astray. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 21, He promised that from that place, if we would seek him, we would find him. Specifically in Deuteronomy 4 and 21, it says, If you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So when I read this, it made me ask, Are there any real necessary steps for seeking the presence of God? If you listen to episode 25 and episode 26, we discussed what it means to seek God's presence. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, please do so so that you'll um, understand or um, it'll give you a clear or more uh, precise definition of what I mean when I make reference to the presence of God or seeking God. But for now, I will just say that it means that you want God to turn his face towards you and that you're turning your face towards God when we talk about seeking the presence of God. I want to use this evening Amos chapter 5 verse number 4. And the Bible says this, This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. The Lord gives Israel specific instructions regarding him through his prophet Amos. 
Because as he had previously warned in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4, Israel had gotten to the place where the generation had forgotten God. They were now worshiping gods of stone and wood. The sacred places of worship were no longer sacred, but had become places of idol worship. Remember Bethel, the place that Jacob had built an altar and called the house of God? Well, King Jehoroboam chose this place um, as a place for idol worship. <laughs> he set up a golden calf and he made the lowest people priests of this temple. God called it Beth Avon, a house of vanity, instead of it now being um, the house of God. So now this is Bethel. And then if you remember Gilgal, the sacred place where the Israelites had once set up a memorial to be the place where they had crossed over the Jordan River um, because God had dried up the, uh, the Jordan River the same way he had dried up the Red Sea and let the Israelites cross over. And the, the Israelites put 12 stones as this sacred place uh, where they were allowed to cross over. This is Gilgal. Uh, it's also the place where they had had the first Passover. It's also the place where the Israelites were circumcised. Gilgal is also the place where Saul was chosen as Israel's first king. This place has now become also a place of idol worship. So when we read Amos chapter 4, verse number 5, the Lord says to the Israelites here, seek me and live. The Lord is providing for the Israelites this opportunity now to return to him for worship, to seek his face again. This was a call from the Lord, from God, Father God, to Israel, to the house of Israel. God is commanding them, seek him. He instructs them on how they should seek him. And he warns them what will happen to them as a nation if they don't follow through with what Amos is saying to them. So what I wanted to do this evening is look at, at this scripture and, and see if there are any necessary steps for us in seeking God and returning to him once we have gone astray, as Israel had. So tonight I want to talk about directions to God's presence. The first step that I want to talk about is repent. The word repent means to change one's mind or purpose. We can look at our society today and see how easy it is for the worship of God to become lost or polluted very quickly with the worship of idols. So I ask, how do you return to the worship of the only true and living God without first acknowledging that you were wrong? 
How do you return to your first love if you have cheated without first acknowledging that you have actually been with another lover? This is repentance. Repentance is acknowledging that you have changed your mind, that you know that you were wrong, that you went outside of your relationship, and that you are now ready to return to your true relationship. Acts chapter 13 verse 19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Each of us is like the prodigal son. We have walked away from God at some point. And at some point, each of us have had our, what I like to call our pig pen moment. When we came to ourselves, and we said, wait a minute, why am I sitting here in this pig pen when I have a father who is a king? I don't have to live like this. Why am I sitting here in misery? Why am I sitting here suffering? Why am I sitting here letting the world beat me up when I know that I have a father that loves me? when I know that I have a father that has everything I could possibly need and want. And we have a moment when we come to ourselves and we say, I will return to my father. When you come to yourself in the pig pen, your heart is changed and you have a need and a desire to say to your father, I should have never walked away from you. I am sorry I disrespected you and your position as my father. I'm sorry that I did not live up to who you expected me to be, but I'm returning now, father, to my rightful place as your child. This is repentance. So I was in conversation with one of my friends yesterday and he told me about his son who was in his 20s who returned home recently. And he said that when his son returned home, he gave him the keys to his house. He put some money in his son's pocket and he sat his son down to discuss his plans. And he said to me that his son decided to leave that same night because he didn't make him feel welcome and that he had too many rules. The truth is, his son does not have a repentant heart. Now, notice I said he does not have a repentant heart. Although repentance starts in the mind, the change has to take place in the heart. As a man thinks, so is he. If we would expect any person 
who treated us wrongly to acknowledge what they have done or at the very least apologize for it. Why would we not do that for our spiritual father? So before we can expect that God would turn his face towards us, should we not have a repentant heart and acknowledge to God that we were wrong, to say that we are sorry, that we left our rightful place? Psalm 34 and 15 says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and that his ears are attentive to their cry. It is those who have repented in their hearts that have his attention. Amos 5.5 says, Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. To repent is to change one's mind or purpose. You have to repent of your sins. You have to repent or give up your way. You have to repent of your transgressions before you can expect that God is going to turn his face towards you because God can't look at or upon or be in the presence of sin. So if you haven't changed your heart, then you can't expect that God is going to be in your presence in that condition. The second step would be relinquishing. To repent is to turn away, to have a change of mind, to be sorrowful. But that is not relinquishing. Many times, and I know that when I accepted Christ, when I fully understood the price that Christ had paid for my sins so that I would never have to pay that price. I was sorrowful. A and many times we, we are when we accept Christ. We are sorry. We are repentant. But there is a difference between repenting and relinquishing. Many times we still hold on to things even though we are sorry for what we have done. We hold things in our hearts. We hold things in our minds. We hold things in our emotions. In order to seek the presence of God, we must not only repent, but we must relinquish things in our lives that have become idols. Things and people who interfere or get in the way of our relationship with Christ. We have to relinquish them 
because from the very beginning, God has expressed how protective he is of us. In Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 and 24, it says, Be careful not to forget the covenant the Lord your God made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol, and check this out, in any form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And I started thinking about that pretty deeply because when we start thinking about God being a jealous God, you start thinking, well, that's not a very good attribute or characteristic God. Why would you say of yourself that you're a jealous God? But jealousy here in this context is not the same as we think jealous, you know, like when you got a girlfriend or boyfriend and you're jealous because somebody else is talking about, talking to them and you're jealous because you have some insecurities about yourself. No, that's, that's not the sense of jealousy that God is talking about here. He's, he's jealous of, of you in this sense of being a parent, right? Being a protective parent. So God doesn't want you hooking up in a relationship with something that can't love you back. So he's protective of you. God knows that if you go after an idol, that that idol cannot do anything for you. So he is protective of you. He is jealous for you. He only wants you to love something or someone who can help you. And he knows that he is the only God that can do that. So when he says that he is a jealous God, he is jealous in that sense. He knows that he is the only true and living God. So for you to waste your time going after a, a stone God or a wood God that cannot love you back is pointless. So in our text, in Amos 5, 4 through 6, the Israelites were worshiping God but the prophet Elijah had told them on Mount Carmel that here's what they were doing. And it amazes me when people equate God as if God was human like we are. Elijah told them on Mount Carmel that, listen, y'all are worshiping God, but after you get through worshiping God, you're sneaking back to Bethel and you're still worshiping Baal. So you're acting like God doesn't see what you're doing. It's, it's like many of us who think that God can't see or hear us Monday through Saturday, right? Like our hearts and our thoughts are not known to God. There are many who are spending their lives saying that you're worshiping God. We're serving God, but God is saying, listen, you're, you're serving me with your lip, but your heart is so far from me. Matthew 7, 21, God says, not everyone who keeps calling out to me saying, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And only those who are actually doing the will of my father is going to enter. And on judgment day, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. 
But Jesus is going to look at you and say, get, get away from me. I don't know who you are because you broke God's laws. And on judgment day, there's going to be a lot of us that are going to be disappointed. So now, not only do we have to repent, change our minds and our hearts, but we have to relinquish these idols and let them go. And so these idols can mean people. They can mean these mental models that we have in our head. These things that we think that are right and they're not right. This can mean these things that we are attached to, these behaviors that we, we keep practicing that are not right, these things that we keep doing over and over and over. It can mean these stories that we keep telling ourselves that are, that are lies that we have told ourselves for so long that we now start believing them. We have to relinquish these things. The northern tribe, tribes of Israel wanted to worship God, but they still wanted to go back to Bethel and worship the calves that they were accustomed to worshiping. And I thought about, I thought about it this way too. It was like the generation of them that had come from, had come out of Egypt, um, and had been in the desert, but these Israelites that knew God, how quickly they had forgotten God. And there was this whole generation that knew nothing of worshiping God. And I equated that to us today. You know, I'm, I'm only in my mid-50s, but it just seemed like yesterday that there was... All we knew was church and Christ. And now there's a whole generation of children that, that no longer know about worshiping God. And it's just one generation. There are my grandchildren, right, that no longer know what worshiping God means. How quickly we have fallen away. So God is saying again to us today, seek me and live. That we need to forget about Bethel and Gilgal and, and move away from those things, but get back to seeking his presence. Or again, the result may be the same. We have to relinquish our worldly ties and set the Lord before us. So to relinquish is to voluntarily cease to keep a claim. It is to give up mental models, people, idols, attachments. Oh, what about this one? Control. To relinquish is to give up control. Can you give up control? Can you give up the things that you think that you are attached to so that you can seek God's presence in your life? And then finally, the third step is in order to seek God's presence, it is necessary to let God restore you.
the final step in any broken relationship is that there is a need for a period where trust has to be rebuilt. If we have relinquished all of our idols and I, our ideologies, our traumas, and we have left ourselves open to trust God, then we have to trust him to be our shepherd. And we have to allow him time to restore our souls. So in Psalms 23, David declares that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. That he makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And that he guides me along paths for his namesake. So to restore is to bring back, to turn back, to its rightful practice, custom, or situation to reinstate. So when we are in the presence of the Lord, it's the time that he can restore our soul. And so I thought about the fact that our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Your soul is what makes you a unique individual. So my son loves computers, computer, he's a computer genius geek to me, right? But so your soul is the central processing unit of the computer. If I take the central processing unit out of the computer, the computer is good for nothing. It is the, it is the brain, it is the everything of a computer. That is what your soul is to you. So. If you are a messed up person, it's because your soul is messed up. Your mind, your will, your emotions. And for most of us, it is the part of us that needs to be restored. It's the part of us that needs God the most. Because your spirit belongs to God. He breathed his spirit into you. So when you die, your spirit goes back to him. That, that's not an issue. It's not your spirit. It's your soul that needs God the most. But most of us won't stay in God's presence long enough so that he can restore our soul. Most of us won't let him fix our soul. We think that we got that on our own. We think, oh, we got intellect because we got education. We think, oh, I got my personality because that's the way my family is. Nah. You need to let God restore your soul. You need to let him restore it and make it right. Get it back to what his intent was because your soul got messed up. Your soul got tainted maybe by the traumas that were caused by people mishandling it, but it can get back to its rightful state if you will let your soul stay in the presence of the Lord. Isn't it awesome to know that it can be restored when it's in the presence of God? 
your soul is restored by the good shepherd. In his presence, he can lead you down paths that are right because he has been with you and you have been with him. As a matter of fact, he says it is an honor for him to put his name on you when you have been in his presence because you are his glory. He said, for his namesake, he leads you on the right path. What does that mean? You're his evidence. If you've been in his presence, he leads you down the right paths and he puts his stamp of approval on you so everybody will know you've been in his presence. You walk in confidence then because you've been in his presence. He puts his seal of approval on you. He is able to sustain your life because you are on those paths. Psalms 119 and 5 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it is the word of God, the presence of God that gives a light to the paths that you should take. His words, his voice lets your soul know which way to go. And then finally, John chapter 10 and verse 9 says, I am the door and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And when I hear this, I think, um, I think of a sheep finding pasture, you know, beautiful green open fields where they basically have everything that they need. They have provision, they have safety. Why? Because the shepherd is there and they can freely live and explore and worry about nothing. I've, I've always heard that sheep are really like dumb creatures. You know, they put their nose in places where it shouldn't be and they don't know when danger is around, but the shepherd is there and remember, we talked about that the shepherd is facing us, right? So he can see whatever is coming. Just think about being in his presence, being in green pastures, living freely when you're in the presence of the Lord. This is what our Father desires for us. And that's what we gain when we are in his presence. The steps that are necessary for seeking God's presence. Repentance. Relinquishing and restoration. Thank you for joining us this evening. Please visit our website at amagohim.com to check out our coaching and leadership development services. You can find me on Instagram at amagohim.com or join me on Facebook by typing I-M-A-G-O. Be sure to like our post and make sure you download the Amago podcast. If you check out the notes section, there, there is a link that will allow you to support the podcast by subscribing. As we grow, we want to continue to add features that will allow you to engage with us. So please email me some feedback at I-M-A-G-O-Him at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Until then, we shall be just 
like him. Mm-hmm.